Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me, tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That was my together, is my together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Going with Big Stacks and Jacks, I'm Tom Al. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 23. NASA Futures down 114. Uh, we've got a lot of earnings. We had Amazon getting, well, it was down 25 bucks last night. Now it's only down 14 and a half. Of course, as we might expect, we've got Chevron and we got Tex, or, uh, Exxon way up. Because they made a lot of money on oil and natural gas. Although, natural gas back down five something. So, it's been up and around all over the place. Do we have Mr. Kevin? We do indeed. Kevin, how are you? You always have me, whether in spirit or in person. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, we had all kinds of things to argue about this morning. Um, I was talking to some of your compatriots last night regarding the the uh, Quinn deal and the Bears. And it's, it's um, and of course, everybody agrees with you, so I'm like the lonely soldier, uh, which is fine. You know, I don't really mind that so much. I just, it is interesting when you look at the world differently. How is it ex- exactly in an entertainment industry? How is it that, the, that football and baseball, and to a certain extent, hockey and basketball, have managed to to turn their their uh, fanatics call them fans dumb into people that uh, all think they're they're owners of the place and not just buyers of entertainment? Just I, mean, I, I explain, please. Well, I. The uh, um, Kendall, one of my good buddies, uh, real good guy. He works with Jim over in the uh, mortgage uh, business. Fanatic Bear fan. And uh, Jim is pretty much a little bit. And they both were launching into, just like you and everybody else, that somehow or another, <clears throat> when the Bears trade, a guy that's making, whatever now he's making, Quinn, eight million bucks or something, in the middle of the season. I think it's more like 13, but go ahead. Okay. For a guy who's getting you know all the rice he can eat, and basically pocket the cash, um, you know, with this, this whether or not it should have been a fourth round pick or third or second, sort of doesn't really matter. But uh, all of a sudden the guy's gone. Now, whether the, the rookie comes up and after three games is better or worse is, I guess, you know, is a toss up at this point. But the, well, point the rookie's already been better. Okay, but my, my, my point is, is that in this particular case, maybe I guess it's okay, but. The bait and switch after you've already paid for the product, to me is and yeah, everybody else. What do you mean? They're going to get a fourth round pick. The guy's going to be an all pro. They save money. I said, but you don't get the point. You're not saving the money. You're you're not a shareholder. You just got bait and switched. I mean, whether it works or not, out or not is is another issue. But the fact is, the Bears are along eleven million dollars after you paid for your season tickets. And I, oh, well, I didn't pay for season well, tickets. Okay. So I guess I don't care. Well, I, I understand that, but but I mean that's but that's how they, that's how they exist as a team, is is people paying to see them play one way or the other, either by TV with commercials or by by getting Prime or whatever the hell you're doing or by buying ESPN. 
But I'm saying we're it, buying it, licensed licensed products. Yeah, product. but it's it, it's just so odd to me that I if if I showed up at, at a, an opera and I'm supposed to have Pavarotti and Matt Byrne walks out, I gotta believe they're gonna offer me a discount on the ticket. I'm not as good as Pavarotti. No. And a, so I mean, I, this the whole idea, and you know, it's just is just one guy, and he's an older guy, and I, I I get the deal. But the fact is, this is this is nothing more than a now now there's there's thirteen million or eleven million dollars in the pro, on, on the bottom line, literally. And uh, I I just I mean, uh, I mean I guess I don't I feel differently about this than most because I had season tickets for the Cubs forever, and a couple of seasons when they I, I bought my tickets based on this team. Now, whether or not they were they were pennant bound or whatever, maybe I liked the people on the team, maybe I didn't, I, and I know it's always going to change, but I also know that there's a certain level at which I thought I was buying at the beginning of the year. It's in the middle of the year, all of a sudden they're all, remember the year they got rid of Dempster and all those other people, it was almost as bad as the, probably was worse than the Bryant and everything here. I, I, literally, I couldn't give the tickets away the rest of the year. And I'm just sitting there going, wait a minute, how the, Plus, made it even worse is the is the week or two before that they they traded all the guys. A couple of them came back from IR, and they actually had a good, really a really good two weeks. It was, was fun to watch it, but all of a sudden the guys were gone. I'm sitting there going, "How does somebody not give me forty percent of my ticket money back for the rest of the year? They they were unwatchable, and I couldn't give them away, let alone sell them." I mean, I, I don't know how people. I guess you could say I don't have season tickets. I don't care. Three years from now, they'll be better or something. But it's still it's an amazing bait and switch to me uh, economically. I, and I don't know. I guess I just I just feel that way. Yeah. Right? Although I, I can't imagine that anybody who bought season tickets this year had high expectations on performance. If anything, they've outperformed the expectations so far. Um, even though they're you know they're terminally mediocre. If if that you know I mean they're they're striving to become uh, a good team. But right now uh, at the, the most you could hope for this season is to be the best of the chumps. Well, yeah. Um, but uh, but but my concern, I will tell you my concern and why why I am fine with the trade, and that is, um, you know, as a Bears fan, I am I, I'm I want to see how they build this team uh, because we've lamented over the years of how they have not uh, accumulated draft picks, how they have not had enough homegrown talent. And so now they're making a concerted effort to have homegrown talent. They've accumulated a ton of picks for next year. They got like 14 rookies on the team this year, um, and uh, you know we'll see how many of them stick. I don't, you know, 14, maybe five or six of them is all that's going to be you know real contributors to it. But if you can, if they can start doing that every year, then we're you know we're going to be in for some good football for a while. Uh, you know. I, I don't care about the, the, the bear salary structure for better or for worse. I want I, you know um, as, as a fan as I would like you know with any business that I like, I, I would like to see them use their money wisely. Um, but wisely doesn't mean uh, doesn't mean don't spend. It means you know it means spend, but spend on the right things. And you know it, it, Quinn, Quinn's a good example of a guy that you know if, if we looked at his first year, he was considered a major disappointment because he didn't have the production um, uh, despite the big contract. Then came last year, and he set the franchise record for sacks. Then comes this year, and seven games in, he's got one sack. So, um, you know, and, and that's that's actually his history. He's kind of an alternate years uh, of, of performance and, and, and then nothing. Uh, so, you know, it, I don't. I don't see 
understand that uh, you know that uh, the, he will be missed. That he you know that the people on the team, his teammates, liked him a lot, and I I get that, and I think that's going to be uh, you know that uh, that has to be that's that's Eberflus's problem, uh, the head coach. He's he's got to manage that situation and and not lose his team in the process. But it, you know it, uh, if if they're if they're clearing cap space. Uh, and they're accumulating draft picks that have, you know, where they can. And, and, and in the fourth round, you can get players who are, who are contributors. You can even get starters, although seldom will you get immediate starters. Uh, you know, there, there's, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I want to see how they build the team. Well, I, I, that is all. It's all interesting as well. I mean, I, I get that part because it's the intrigue is and how you do your management is certainly part of, of how well the team shows up. I just, I. Uh, <coughs> Does anybody think? I mean, the Blackhawks have surprised this year, but does anybody think that the, you know, the the, the what are they? They're the, the, got to be one of the highest ticket prices in all of, of uh, hockey. I mean, how do you how do you put a, a you know a triple A team out there? I mean, that's what the Cubs are doing. They're, they're the second highest ticket price or third in all baseball. But at some point, you got to sit there and go, what, what do you? Let's put it this way, Kevin. Things have changed a, lo- a lot from people paying to go to a game that day. You know, and uh, and and when you when when the world was like that, you didn't trade Ernie Banks because nobody would show up. He's all you had. Now it would be a big if if you got everybody was season ticket holders, you'd say so what? Let's let's get rid of the, let's get rid of old Ern and get somebody else. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, there's a there's a middle ground here. I just think the Chicago teams kind of really pushed the envelope on it. Or is it just me? That's probably just you. Okay, that's that's, that's fine. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, it's become the way people uh, do franchises, uh, for better or for worse. If if the leagues have a problem with teams tanking, they then then they need to figure out how to address it. I don't know what you can do. Um, I, I do remember uh, uh, Charlie Finley uh, trying to uh, unload players uh, when when uh, their contracts were expiring and having all those trades uh, negated. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, because it was, you know, and because it wasn't good for baseball. Now, I, you know, how does how does that kind of thinking play in, and should it play? You know, should it be a factor? I, you know, I don't know. Well, if they all do uh, the I same know, thing, it's uh, a you know. But I, I do think it, there, there is, you know, I get your point that there's a buyer beware uh, part of this um, that it has to be considered. Um, and uh, you know, do you, you know, do you really, uh, you know, do the fans really understand? Uh, when they buy season tickets, that, uh, that there's a good chance uh, with many of the teams that they're not uh, they're not going to get what they thought they were going to get at the beginning of the year, and maybe that should discourage people from ever buying season tickets. Well, I, it has me. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Although they make it so I mean, difficult. My, my problem, I would I would never buy season tickets for the Cubs, and there's you know the reason is simple. I can't go to that many games. I can't go to enough games to make it worth my trouble. Um, even if I could lay off the rest, so you know, I like I, I, I like college basketball season tickets because it's you know eighteen to twenty games. I can do that. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, I but you know, I think that everybody <clears throat> it gives me, of course, luddite status uh, um, regarding wanting uh, uh, the uh, you know wanting regular tickets. Well, I, I don't want. If you have, if you have season tickets, I know Larry in the office here. He and his buddies used to have a whole bunch of Sox tickets, and they would split them up a bunch, a whole bunch of people, and so forth. And uh, 
and he, um, you know, those guys would, uh, the, the year that they had, the way had, they didn't give you tickets anymore, they were like, what, what, what are we doing? I mean, the fact is, I mean, every single guy had to, had to sort of register, and if you switch them during the year, you got to go through Major League Baseball, and there's a, there's a fee, and there's a fee and all stuff. I mean, I mean, what what are we doing here? I mean, well, again, I have electronic uh, tickets for basketball, and it's easy to, to transfer them. It is easier uh, to transfer them because I don't have to meet up with somebody. I don't have to mail them. I don't have to do any of that kind of stuff. Um, it, it works out really well, and there is no transfer fee for doing that. Well, I think there is, and in, in, uh, if you sell them, if you sell them, don't you have to go through the uh, Major League Baseball site? So you got to go through Ticketmaster. Oh, you know, I, I don't know how it works for Major League Baseball because I haven't uh, I haven't tried to uh, to do that. I have bought tickets through uh, through brokers before, not very frequently, but um, I think the last time was uh, was the last time I was in Phoenix. I went to a college football playoff, and even that, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was. I saw Ohio State and Clemson. I saw Justin Fields and. Uh, um, uh, um, um, you, you know the guy's name for the quarterback from Clemson who was the first pick yeah. a year ago. Um, you got the one here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, so I, I saw those guys do, uh, duke it out, which was which was fun. And that was like the day before the game. I said to my son, you want let's see, let's see what it'll cost us to go to the game. And it was like, you know, <laughs> 110 bucks a seat for club level. So we're going. So. Oh, good for you. What? My, my son, my daughter, and my uh, daughter-in-law, and me. Well, just as I'm, uh, we got to get to talk about the markets here for a minute. But this guy running, did you, the latest guy in the mayor race here? I know I'm talking, uh, I'm jumping around here, but actually, it's all sort of the same subject. Hey, Lori's getting a raise, though, huh? Yeah. Well, is he going to go with the CPI every year? Now, is that going to be everybody in Chicago or just her? I just um, her. Let me see. If I had to take a guess. <laughs> Well, you know, city, the mayor doesn't make that much. What does she make? Uh, a couple hundred grand. Yeah. I mean, it's, so we'll get a load of this. <laughs> only, in, only in Illinois. I, you know, I don't, I don't think... Boy, boy, if I was a guy who said, if there's, a, if there's another place in space where there's people living there, I would love to be able to watch TV from here as my amusement. You know, if I was, if I was in a normal world. Just as you think, Illinois. I, you know, as old as I get, Kevin, I'm still stunned by what I don't know about the state of Illinois. This guy... Brandon Johnson is a county commissioner, <coughs> okay, which is only Illinois is in love with these part-time jobs. Now, that's a part-time job. Well, the guy is he now throws his hat into the mayor race, and he immediately gets the uh, nod from the Chicago Teachers Union, because you know, the Teachers Union is, is pissed off at Lori because she actually fought back at them. So get a load of this. The guy is he, make, he gets an $85,000 salary part-time to be a county commissioner because God knows you don't hardly spend any time doing that. He gets $103,000 from the Chicago Teachers Union as like a lobbyist or a consultant. <clears throat> and he has been the whole time he's in there. So he makes more from the Chicago Teachers Union than he does for, with his job at... How can, how can that... I, I know that the Chicago Teachers Union doesn't necessarily go head-to-head with the, the county board, but it's pretty pretty close, don't you think? <laughs> and now he's running for mayor, and he... It, he certainly the, uh, the uh, political connection is substantial. So now that he's running for mayor, he didn't say, "I'm I'm dumping this job with the Chicago." Te-. So he's gonna be getting paid by the teachers union to run for mayor, and they've now endorsed him. How many full-time employees do you think there are in the state of Illinois? I mean, in terms of That's politicians, not corrupt at all. There's no. no corruption there. 
So what? Uh, I, I I think unfortunately I'm an, I'm a, a real strong union guy, always have been. But this 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 uh, this idea of municipal unions, I don't think it's an arm's length transaction, Kevin. I don't I don't think it's a good idea. I just I honestly do not. Well, it, it's it's not, and always remember that when when you're, the union is bargaining, uh, they're not bargaining against the city; they're bargaining against their neighbors. Right, that's exactly right. And uh, at least when there's a strike at, at Pullman or U.S. Steel or GM or someplace, it's it's the people inside the building fighting over who gets the piece of the pie, the management versus the, and that's that to me is an okay fight. It doesn't affect other people. And if, it's, if the industry is anywhere near competitive, right? You just figure it out. Yep. You know, f- does a, does the president get another million dollars, or does he got to pay an extra five cents a, uh, an hour to people? And that's a fight those guys should have. I don't. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't think do you. No, I got no problem with that. I mean, they, they, should, they should ask for whatever they can get, but they, you know, they do. They just need to remember, um, you know, who's who's paying the tab. Well, if it's a teacher's, you are. I am. It's a, you know, it's a interesting. So, what do you make of the uh, the drop in these in these stocks, these fangs? I actually yesterday I had a few minutes, so I went through uh, the fangs, which everybody knows is Facebook, Amazon, uh, Netflix, and Google. Fang Plus would add Microsoft to that group. <clears throat> Since the first of the year, this is not counting uh, the Amazon debacle of last night. What do you suppose the fangs are down this year in market cap, Kevin? Just the four of them. Oh, you mean in billions? Yeah. I, I could give you a hint, but I won't. In terms uh, of let's, let's let's go uh, thirty billion. Um, Kevin, my sage man. Sometimes I wonder about you. Two point one trillion. Wow. And and that doesn't include the hundred and fifty billion that, that went off Amazon last night. I don't think. Most people have, and, and most people, including me, unless I went through this, have any concept of these numbers. If you had Microsoft to the mix, well, obviously I don't. You had Microsoft to the mix, and include Amazon's falling off part last night. Uh, Three point one trillion dollars in in ten months. Yeah, what was Amazon's announcement? I I, I just heard that. I didn't have time to. They look. Uh, came out. They they were a sh- little light on revenue, and then they said that this quarter is going to be lousy and not not very good for like a Christmas quarter because. Headwinds and dollar and God knows what else. And at one point, the stock was down twenty. Those headwinds, those damn headwinds, get you all the time, don't they? Well, at one point, they're down twenty-five bucks. Now, they got ten billion shares outstanding. It's two hundred fifty billion dollars of wealth coming out of people's accounts. You know, there's got to be margin loans on all this stuff. I mean, not not at all of it, but I mean, there's got to be margin loans associated with that. There's yeah, people that. Sure more sales, which is going to drive down the price, which is going to, yeah. Or, or people, that, that's, their, that's, their share, that's their value. And everybody was absolutely, you know, I, I don't know when after the close, I know people were on pins and needles as much as last night about was the same thing going to happen to Apple. Because Apple came out maybe half hour after Amazon. And everybody started thinking, what are we going to do if Apple's down like 25 bucks? Turns out they were not, even though their iPhone sales were lousy. They made up on a couple other stuff, and they were able to raise prices on Max and God knows what else. But they were actually up a buck, and the, the world breathed an amazing sigh of relief last night about quarter to four. Uh, people rejoiced. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not about rejoice, just at least the whole world wasn't falling apart. But we're talking $3 trillion in 10 months. Now, 
it was all pumped up by the Fed the last three years with the COVID money. But so it went up and it came back down. But I don't know, Kevin, I, I, I'm not going to say it again. Uh, I'm beating a dead horse. But the, if, if the Congress and the President want to do anything for anybody, they, they've got to change these, these capital, capital loss rules or they're going to eviscerate an amazing amount of people in this country they already have. And I, I, don't, I don't understand why everybody's an investor, everybody's an expert, even though I am in the business forever. Everybody knows more than me. Every, all you do is talk to people over a beer. They get they get all figured out. Oh, Joe's my guy. This guy's my guy. What's he doing? He, we're long this stuff. We got this. He knows all these good. N- none of these people have any idea what the what the tax ramifications are if all the stuff goes flying down that they just bought bitcoins and this stuff. They have no idea that they that they're absolutely hung out to dry on the tax piece of it. And as to why that is such a secret, how they can get away with that, I have no idea. I mean, I, can you can you explain it to me? I. How that number, how it's never talked about right, left, any place. That's, that's what so got me screwed up about this right and left fighting all the time. They fight about all the wrong stuff. The, the regular stuff, some people are just taking all the dough. I, I don't know. It just, just seems to me. So I, I'm I, I, going back on Amazon, and I'll have to I'll see if I can block off some time this weekend and dig into it. Um, it, it just seems to me that... Um, you know, there's there's got to be more to the story. There's there's got to be some kind of trend uh, at play here that is uh, across all retailers. So now, then I go back and look at Walmart and look at uh, uh, Target and you know some of the big national retailers as well, because Amazon's you know I mean they, they sort of have a built-in uh, uh, profitability. So if their sales are down. Uh, uh, wouldn't wouldn't you expect everybody's to be down? I, I don't think I, I don't think frickin' mortar is going to cannibalize them at this point. Um, no, but I mean, why their P ratio is what? I'm, I'm looking at the earnings. Earnings are earnings are one percent, two percent. They don't make any money. They never have. You know, they have cash flow. It's not new news, unless uh, you know, unless it's going to be. Uh, um, you know debt service. You know, do they uh, are they going to be uh, forking out more interest expense? Well, I don't. Yeah, when they but they 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 manage to finance stuff at uh. Then they get like two and a half percent for a big chunk. A couple well, of years they, ago, they'll get good rates, but it's still going to go up. It's going to go up with everybody else's, but it might go two and a half to three. I've got their PE ratio at, at ninety nine. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've asked the question for the whole twelve years we've been on the show. When is when? It, it, you know, pick any stock like in this this whole mess: Netflix, Amazon, you name it. Uh, you know, uh, Snap, everything. When is is this stock trading a hundred hours? When are they going to start making ten or eight dollars a year and sending you a check for five? And everybody looks at you like you've got you're, you've got fourteen heads. Well, what do you mean? Never. They're just growing. They're they're a growth company. You're not a growth company forever. Amazon's been around a long time. And they, and they and they constantly are moving into distribution. They don't mean UPS isn't good enough. These nothing's good enough. Those, those those areas you get into, they don't have margin of the, of the kind of margin they're used to on other stuff. I mean, their margin on and and taking whatever it is, fifteen bucks from a camera sale from North Dakota, the margin there is what Kevin infinite. If all of a sudden you decide you're going to try and cut down on UPS's margin on delivering it. That margin's not infinite. What, what, what does UPS make a year? If they make 5% on their revenue, they're doing good, right? 
Well, yeah, each each piece is a little bit different uh, question. Yeah. Because what Amazon has done on the delivery side uh, by setting up their own operation is, uh, you know, they, they've really pushed the market in, in terms of, you know, how fa- you know convenience and how fast things get delivered. So, you know, I, I don't, they couldn't have done that working through uh, UPS or, or FedEx or anybody else. It, it, it just wasn't going to happen. Uh, whether whether that expense is worth it to them or not, you can you can have that conversation. Uh, I, I'm I'm more interested in you know what is going on with their margins because when they were working through Amazon sellers strictly, then you're right it was virtually infinite. But Amazon is is you know has much less emphasis on third party sellers and much more nowadays on their own you know basically they're running their own retail operation. And uh, and th- so that may be cutting into their margins as well. Well, I mean, what's what's the margin for Walmart? It's it's not infinite. No, well, it's tight. You know, yeah. Uh, it, Walmart is great at squeezing their suppliers. You know, to the point where uh, a lot of people won't do business with them because they squeeze so hard. But uh, uh, but you know, they still have tight margins. They just have a little bit better margins than anybody else in the industry. And. And as a result, their prices are lower, and so you know your your typical Walmart shopper, if you're going to go there for groceries, is going to get a basket of groceries and maybe save ten bucks, um, which you know is important when you have a family of four. Uh, but uh, it, you know it, that, that that's a little bit different model than what Amazon had been doing and what Amazon is doing now. But it, Amazon also you know took a lot of its cash flow. And plowed it into the delivery side of the business. Um, after they got done plowing it into the uh, the web services part of the business as well, which you know again is is facing more competition than it did when they first rolled out all their all their cloud services. Because now there are other big players. It's not just the local players that are you know that are nipping you know nipping little pieces off of the market. Um, it's it is now Microsoft. It is Google Cloud. You know, all of those are out there as well, and they've made cloud services a much more competitive market. If we would have backed up five years, I would have told you being in the cloud uh, was more expensive. The only the benefit was you didn't have to lay out the ca- capital expenditure for it. You were paying, you know, doing a pay as you go. Now I tell you, it, you know, it's it's competitive with anything on a cap capex. It's side. way more competitive than their other business. Well, and, and they, you know, they built their cloud infrastructure for their own business. Realized that they had something marketable, started to market it, and now, you know, they have this whole development of cloud computing that is uh, um, that is more general purpose than specific to their business. But of course, their business runs on their own platform. SP Futures down eighteen. Nasdaq Futures down ninety six. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. 
Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howell. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. Kevin O'Neill with us. SP futures down 18. NASDAQ futures down 96. The big, uh, big movers are Amazon's down 13. It was down 25, but still, that's a 12% move. We've got uh, Chevron, uh, Chevron Texaco, up almost four bucks. That's 2.2%. We have Exxon up as well. So oil companies, that's where the money is, uh, go figure. Uh, Dow futures are down 6. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 77.6%. Puts it down 28.4%. Can't go around hanging in there, though. Down 8, only, that's only 0.1%, almost unchanged. We're in Asia, we've got Nikkei down 240.9%. Shanghai down 66, 2 and a quarter. Get this. I mean, after two days of kind of hanging in there, not so much. This I, I'm stunned at this. And saying down 564, 3.7%, under 15,000. Mm. You guys are dropping like 1,000 points every week. I mean, it's it's really something. The Koreans uh, are down 20 points, 0.9%. Uh, just as a way of review, yesterday, before the carnage in the uh, Amazon, we had the Dow was up 194 as we had Caterpillar way up on earnings. So we had Caterpillar and McDonald's way up because they could raise prices. Everybody else who can't doesn't seem to be doing so hot. S&P down 23 yesterday, NASDAQ. Down 178. This is before the announcement of Amazon. Uh, Bands 
up six basis points, but still back to four four percent. We were under four yesterday. Uh, the bond up thirteen basis points, two point one one. Japan unchanged, point two five. Oil uh, down sixty four cents, eighty eight forty four. Brent down forty three cents, ninety six fifty three. Natural gas down three cents, five eighty four. Uh, gold down twelve bucks, sixteen fifty three. Silver down twenty three cents, nineteen twenty five. Copper down five cents, three forty six. So not much in the metal market here today. Uh, Bitcoin down four thirty five, twenty thousand two hundred nine. Still up from earlier in the week, but they've come back hard from the mid 20,000s here. And we have the U.S. dollar. Uh, Euro is back down to 0.99, so the dollar is up, well, not a little bit. But then the pound's actually up a little bit to 1.15, so way up from its its low of a few weeks ago. We're traded 104. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Hey, good morning. Currently 637 on Friday, October 28th, 2022. Traffic in Chicago, traffic building up on the Dan Ryan. Other than that, looking fairly normal this morning. Uh, weather in Chicago, uh, currently cloudy, uh, currently at 43 degrees downtown with a high of 62 and a low of 43. In Phoenix, though, clear skies, currently 56 degrees, a high of 82 and a low of 56. In sports, Blackhawks played and lost last night to the Edmonton Oilers. Hawks stand at four wins to three losses this 2022 season. The MLB World Series is tonight, Game 1, Phillies at Astros in Houston. Phillies stand at win-loss of 87-75, Astros 106-56. Game starts at 7.03 p.m. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. Um, Kevin, I want to shift gears here a little bit, talk about your your favorite center, Senator, uh, Senator Warren. Um, this is Elizabeth Warren from uh, Massachusetts, which always, uh, I, I, I can't stand the way she talks, but other than that, I mean, sometimes <laughs> I think might her heart be in the right place, although I think she's a little touched. Uh, She's got the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau urging tighter regulation <coughs> to root out fraud on payment platform Zelle. Now, explain to me how this, how this, I, I, I don't know, I, I know I'm a, well, let's take it for granted I'm a Luddite. <coughs> okay, so um, if you don't know what a Luddite is, look it up. The Stipulated. Uh, <coughs> yeah, see, but I, I'm, I'm curious as to how the responsibility for this stuff lands. Kevin, I mean, I, I get the part that if, if somebody robs you, you know, it's their fault and you get, it's a criminal charge and so forth. Well, I know some people, I mean, not, not a lot, but some that like using Zelle and Zimbo and Bimbo and all the rest of these things. And a couple of these people have had their phone hacked. Like Bimbo. Yeah, yeah. Their, <laughs> their phones get hacked, and all of a sudden there's problems with the bank. Well, evidently there's a lot of fraud going on with this Zelle. Hmm. And she's all over the fact that these banks... Uh, are not giving people their money back like instantly. Now I'm 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 I don't know that much about it, Kevin. I know a little bit about it, but how exactly? I mean, I, I know a couple of people. <laughs> One was in my family. Uh, my niece, a terrific girl. Uh, she's I think she's got some online bank from Florida or someplace. If you give her a check, she literally cannot deposit the damn thing. Hmm. I, I don't Usually they'll let you scan it now. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure she. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's a way that I. But the point is, there's four banks within walking distance, two second walking distance of this office. Go over there, introduce yourself to a banker, get a bank account, get some checks, get some cash, be able to drop something off over if you need it. What? Why? Why is this so complicated that everybody has to be? The the girl downstairs in in uh in my building. She she has a checking account someplace, refuses to get checks, and I said I'm only going to take cash or check for the rent. Hmm. 
I don't want any of this other stuff. So she she leaves an envelope for me at the local bar for me to go up and get cash in the envelope. What? Why can't these people... What, what is so valuable about going around the system and being different at this point? This, this is such a simple procedure. What, what are we gaining by being different here? What am I missing? Well, checks are pretty useful, you know, still. I, I, I think I write one a month, you know, so it's... It, 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 you know, uh, otherwise I don't. I, and I don't use, uh, I don't use Zelle. Uh, I, I won't do anything of significance on my cell phone because I think they're among the least secure devices in, in the world. Mm. So, I, you know, I, I, you just don't see me doing that. But now you know that. What is other pay or anything like that. Others, you know, other people are fine with it and they'll do it. Now, what I remember of the regulations for how, and I assume that this, that Zelle would fall under the uh, electronic funds transfer regulation. It's regulation E um, uh, for the Federal Reserve. And I assume that it falls under that. And the way it always worked was when you had a fraud claim of any kind, and this would apply to credit cards as well, um, that they had uh, they had 10 days to investigate. Um, and if they, if the bank cannot resolve it in 10 days, then they have to give you a provisional credit, and then they get up to, I think it's 45 days, could be 60, but at least up to 45 days to continue to investigate. Um, and if at the end of the 45 days they still can't resolve it, then the complaint just stands and the customer gets the money. But when I say a provisional credit, if the bank uh, were to determine that no, there really wasn't a fraudulent transaction, then they could take back that provisional credit. Um, so that's how I understand it works. So I don't know what, you know, if, if it's different with an application like Zelle, I don't know. I've been away from it too long to, uh, to know that for sure. Uh, but the, uh, but, but that was sort of the mechanics of the whole thing. Now, if Senator Warren wants to change that, then Simple solution: proposed legislation. Well, that's what. But I guess my you know, question don't is: Don't just get up there and bitch about it. Just you know, uh, uh, propose some legislation. If somebody, because uh, this hits closer to home, if somebody has their password sitting on their computer at home, and somebody walks in there and, and wires their money out of a PTI or or Schwab account, we don't let people do that anymore. But uh, wires their money, or if somebody picks up your phone in the gym, you don't have a password. And uh, and gets in there and sees you have a Zelle account, and it's totally unprotected and wires money to Matt Byrne in Germany. Why is that your bank's problem? Um, it, it just is because uh, because as when I when I used to teach banking law, and and I've done this when I teach business law sometimes too, is one of the first things I tell the students is that. Uh, um, you have an inalienable right to be stupid in this country, but when it comes to consumer law, you have more of a right to be stupid than you ever imagined. But I mean, how 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 is the thing ever going to work if people if if, if the it, how do they going to know whether it's it's me doing it or you doing it while you're in a swimming pool? You're the one who left the thing totally unprotected. You're the one. It's your phone. It's not the yeah, bank. Yeah, you would think that there would be at least vicarious liability involved in there. So I mean, I, you just would, you, one would think. And, and again, maybe that's the case. You know, maybe uh, um, you know if, if they can prove that uh, that the, the problem is yours. Like I, I had situations, you know, in my banking days. I can think of one 
um, where the branch manager was certain that it was um, the customer's boyfriend, uh, that the customer's boyfriend had taken the ATM card and used it, uh, and that she was just coming to us because we had deeper products, or pockets, I mean. And, um, you know, can, can, can she get away with that? Yeah, she, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, could have if she had stuck to her guns on it, but um, uh, there, there's more of a story to that that I'm, I'm not well, looking at, but it's yeah. one of my go-to cases in the classroom. The, uh, well, what's, it, there's a lot of stuff. W- Good w- ethics case is what it is. But if, if every, every one of these things, Kevin, if there's, if there's no common sense involved, every one of these things becomes an issue. And what, why, why is somebody's right for convenience all of a sudden make it somebody else's responsibility? <laughs> I, well, I, I, Tom, I also don't know, you know, it, does uh, Zell require two-factor authentication to do uh, certain transactions? I don't know any of that. Well, I would hope they did. I'm just, mm. I'm just not interested in using the app myself. Yeah, I have. So, I, um, so that, you know, I, I, I can't tell you that. It may have some uh, other security measures built in that are helpful. Um, foolproof? No, there is no such thing as foolproof. But, mm. um, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's possible that, uh, uh, that there are the right measures available. There's a, when the Dunkin' Donuts over here before COVID used to be open at 5.30, we used we would get coffee before the show, right? So uh, now, of course, they're they're open at six, so we can't get coffee. So they 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 lose out on their. When we had three people in here, I'd get you know it was ten bucks a day for three coffees, right? So they're losing out on my ten bucks every day. Uh, but one of the ladies who used to be a court reporter on the floor, terrific lady. Um, of course, she's from uh, she's from Hawaii. Her name's Juanita. And of course, her her name for hundreds of years on the floor was Pineapple. Uh, not exactly the most politically correct place. <laughs> so she, I mean, terrific. We go back forever. So she goes in and she got this big honking cell phone. We could tell it was her entire life, right? So she gets her coffee and she, you know, and she whacks the machine with the with the cell phone for the app. So then I'm right behind her with mine. So I, I tap the machine right after, and she goes, "What are you doing, Tommy? You just played cash. I know. I, I know. I just I just stole your password." She goes, "You're kidding." I said, "No, I, I can do that. I got I got guys." I said, oh, by the way, you'll be getting lunch will be on you. That's all right. I only have a couple of drinks. It'll be under 100 bucks. You're not going to do that really, are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, are you what are you doing buying coffee with your cell phone? I mean, can't, you, can't you pull out the two bucks? I mean, anyway, it's just, it's just me, I guess. But anyway, I had her going for a while. Mm. Well, it, it, it's very much an age thing. Um, and, uh, and, you know, what level of technology are people uh, accustomed to having around them? And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to criticize anybody. Not neither. I just the convenience. I just think it's important to know what your risks are. I said, Juanita, why do why do you why does somebody need to know that you had coffee at the Dunkin' Donuts this time? What if somebody wanted to shoot you? They know you're here every morning at five to six. Why why do you why do you want to tell them that? She's like, she looks at me like I had four heads. Like, what's what's the problem? I don't care if anybody's following me. Okay. Hey, uh, so what? Um, the numbers, I mean, it, it's funny coming across, I know I'm skipping around here like I always do. The numbers across mid-America, the people you teach, I'm assuming, are not big investors. But some of the older people have to have 401ks. They have to have retirement plans. The, the beating that these things have taken, I mean, granted, a lot of it went up last year. And if it was as simple as Amazon went from 100 to 200 and came back to 100, if you forget all the tax law stuff I talk about ad nauseum, uh, I guess... You're back to even, but 
it never actually works out that way because people feel wealthier when it's at 200 they don't really hedge it and they and they're going to buy other stuff i i you know I, i'm a millionaire i got a million dollars worth of amazon oops now i've got you know five hundred thousand worth of amazon doesn't doesn't mean you're 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 you're, in the, you're homeless but this is other than 2000 i've never seen anything quite like this you know, three trillion dollars out of five stacks in ten months. And I, I, I'm the only one talking about it, Kevin. Nobody, everybody, nobody else is, is it. Is it that nobody else cares? I mean, that, that, that's like real money to me. I, three trillion. I can't even imagine how much it is. Yeah, and most people didn't move into anything safe. You know, they never have. No. And, um, so, I just. I mean, I don't know if this. Do, do you think this is the start of something? I mean, we're still talking about. Amazon at a high. I mean, oh, I'm, I'm totally um, bearish on, on where the economy is going, and and I think all the signs are there. Uh, so even though we had a good GDP number, uh, I, I I absolutely think that when when you just start you know look at look at what the behaviors are. We talked about this on Wednesday. What's going on with Microsoft? You know, you, you, we're not selling as many devices if Microsoft's not getting sales because. Since January 1st, Microsoft has 7.5 billion shares outstanding. Is down 110 bucks. That's 823 billion dollars out of their market market valuation. That's a number. That's that's pretty substantial. And, and, the, and the best part is one of them here. Which one was it? Uh, somebody, Amazon. I think it was Amazon. They bought. They bought. Uh, they lost thirty billion dollars on their stock buybacks earlier in the year. They bought stock at whatever it was, whatever That's price. Great move, huh? Yeah, great move. Uh, I guess it, you know got made somebody's bonus or something. But it's, I uh, you know, one of the most fascinating things about trading uh, and investing, Kevin, is when people's view of a company changes, and and, and and as time goes by, people forget. You know, I mean, if you don't do this for a living or you just happen to be involved, you forget when companies were different, thought of differently. And this Amazon thing is the absolute mirror image to me of uh, eBay. And uh, for years and years, that thing was uh, the absolute, they, they're not a retailer. They're going, what was, what was the lady's name, Meg Whitman? She was selling how yeah. many shares a month she was selling when the stock was up to the moon. And I went at one point. This is before this, by two thousand or somewhere, or maybe after that. And uh, the stock was not considered a retailer. It was absolutely an innovator. It was at the whatever things they they they're the ones that made PayPal, right? Uh, so I mean, they were they were absolute innovators. They weren't just because I went through one day and I said, okay, for this company to to uh, grow into their stock price. At the time, I think they were doing, this is early on, they were, what they were doing, a dollar a trade or something like that, or two bucks a trade. If they sold somebody a, a baby sweater, it was like a buck for the transaction when they first started. So I went through the calculation. I said, okay, for these guys to get enough revenue to where they were going to pay out, you know, they were going to make 20 bucks a share because the stock was pretty high, and uh, and sell some, send somebody an $8 dividend, 
I, I think I calculated every man, woman, and child in, New, in the U.S. had to do like three transactions a day at a bucket trans. Some some in, some incredible number, right? Uh, for the with the margin they had at the time, and all of a sudden one day, Kevin and I don't know what caused it, whatever. All of a sudden they were just eh, it looks to us like they're just another retailer. All of a sudden the stock kind of went well, down. Well, first of all, Amazon ate their lunch, so that you know well, that that was the the biggest thing, and and they never adapted. So. You know, eBay today is essentially what eBay was 15 years ago. Well, it, I'd say it, it's just a retailer, right? And which yeah. is, which, yeah. Now, what, what I will say about Amazon, forget the web services part and all of that kind of stuff that gives them revenue, is it, Amazon is a lot like Apple was all, all the while when, when Jobs was there. And Apple, to an extent, yeah. is still like that, but not, not the same. And, and that is that Amazon rolls out something new. Whether it's you know whether it's it was two day delivery uh, for prime customers, uh, of course Amazon's got all the entertainment stuff too that's tied into the web services business. Uh, but uh, but whether w- but just looking at the retail business, uh, whether it's two day delivery, whether it was buying uh, Whole Foods uh, to get into. Uh, the food supply chains mm. so that they can uh, uh, do their Amazon Prime two-hour delivery uh, for uh, for grocery shopping uh, and and then building out their um, returns around the stores so that all you have to do is go online, say, I want to return something. Uh, they'll email you a barcode and you, go, you walk into Whole Foods where they have the drop-off and you just say, here it is, scan the barcode, and by the time you get out back in your car, you have your refund. Um, you know, uh, you know. I mean, they they keep coming up with these little things that push the market, push the uh, the delivery uh, uh, process. They have done a lot with robotics in their uh, distribution centers uh, that you know are really making them more and more efficient. So you know, that's where Amazon is continuing to thrive. There is going to be some kind of practical limit as to where they can go. But I would still consider Amazon an innovation company. Apple is the same thing. Apple was always an innovation company. Yes, they wanted to sell stuff, but there was, you know, there was what's the next new product? You know, was it going to be the iPod, the iPhone, the, you know, uh, keep it going right up to, you know, now we have the the watch that uh, some people love so much. I mean, they they started rolling out the, the Apple Watch, and and they'll get more into wearables. But they rolled that out about two years after I finally let go of the idea of wearing a watch. Yeah, well, I, mean, I guess... <laughs> tells you where I am on the adopters market. But, uh, but my, my point is this. As long as the company keeps finding new ways to grow and new ways to improve, then they have something. eBay never did that. I, eBay I never morphed into anything other than what it was. Mm. I, I, I get and that that's part. that's why it got left in the dust. I'm saying it's... it's, it's it's sort of like if we had a poster. Remember the old poster to stages of a project? Did you ever see that one way back in the day? Yeah. Uh, if we could say the stage is now, there, there is a stage, and there was a stage at eBay, okay? And there's a stage at Amazon. There's a stage at surely at Apple. And my Apple might even be in there. Is you, if you even think, Mr. O'Neill, if you even think of innovation, the guys at Apple have already thought of it. You can't even think as fast as these guys think. Whatever it is, they're going to be there and they're going to make a fortune, and, and, and they, they are the future. That's like you can't even question the stock price. You're going to be a Kathy Wood. 
They're they're a disruptor. They're going to be the world in the next 10 years. You can't even question it. Whether the stock's 200, 2,000, or 2 million, it's never going to be high enough. You just got to get in. That's like stage one of one of these places. Then it's time that gets chipped away, chipped away. And Amazon, I, I'm with you, by the way, in terms of the innovation and all that stuff. But, but some of the innovation, I'm going to use my truck instead of your truck. Okay. Our distribution system's a little better than yours. Okay. But now I'm saying if somebody... Somebody's more likely today. My only point, and I'm not saying sell Amazon. I might actually want to be a buyer, but but I'm not saying. Now, if somebody walks in who never heard, his money's been in fixed income. He's been in treasuries for the last whatever. Walks in and says, "Okay, chief, why should I invest in this Amazon? What do they make? What actually are they doing? How much money are they making? Am I going to get a check from these guys, or do I keep myself? I'm going to sit there and go. You know, I don't really know. Uh, I mean, they, they these distribution systems." doesn't seem to me like it's going to the bottom line. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I'm saying at some point, somebody starts picking apart everything they do as if they're not this god anymore, they're just another company. And, and Amazon is somewhat now in this not godlike, people are actually looking, where's the dough? I mean, now they're, they're not there yet. They're, they're certainly not eBay yet. They're still innovating, like you say. But they're not in the God, whatever it is, you can't even you can't even question the guy. Before you think of it, he's already thought of it, and he's on his way. I don't think people think that about Amazon anymore, do they? Well, and sooner or later, they're gonna they're gonna you know step in a pile of poop too. I mean, well, that's right. Nobody's perfect, and, and you know Apple did that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all remember Lisa. <laughs> oh God. Uh, so you know it, it, it happens. Now, you know, and and the question is, you know, when when they. When they have their uh, their their big mistake, is the big mistake going to be debilitating? Is it going to be a setback, or is it going to be a eh, minor thing didn't work on to the next? Um, and 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 I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, you know, I mean, you know, they're they're investing heavily in, in drone technology now. Is you know, is is drone delivery really going to be that important? Um, and if so, are they going to be stuck with a a, a fleet of trucks? Uh, of course, they, they they hire a lot of people, a lot of uh, set up a lot of people as independent contractors, and uh, um, and just you know they have to use Amazon trucks. So Amazon doesn't even own them; it's it's you know it's a private business that owns them, and they do a lot of that kind of delivery. So that, so that does sort of protect their capital a little bit. But nevertheless, um, the uh, you know are, are they going to be stuck with fleet that they can't use and and uh, and Stupid question um, on the drone. Is the drone uh, <clears throat> going to be landing and having a little robot kick your package off, or is it going to drop the package on your head, or what's what's the de- <clears throat> what is the design of this thing? <clears throat> you know, it's it's going to hover overhead and uh, then it's going to shout out over a microphone. Go long, I'll hit you in stride. Uh, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. Uh, what what is, so if you're if you're oh, del- it'll leave it on your porch. <clears throat> so okay, so if you're delivering, let's say kitty litter. A lot of people get the. How the hell is that thing going to get the kitty litter on my porch? Mm. Well, it, it, and it's got to keep the bag dry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I mean, there's, there's lots to work out there, but uh, but they're already doing a certain amount of it. So, you know, it's it, it's coming. The question is, where is it going to go? Or or are they going to go into driverless cars or you know, driverless uh, um, delivery um, vehicles? I mean, the, you know, I've seen some stuff, even uh, you know, Pizza Hut or somebody like that. You know, has the uh, the pizza delivery vehicle that is is driverless, and it's just like this little. Why, why do they Why do they care? They don't. The they, don't they don't pay the driver crap. Why do they care? 
Um, is everybody? Hey, I, I don't know why they care. I don't know if they'll ever convert to that, Tom. It, but it is definitely worth, you know, at least experimenting with it. Out of all the people the in the world, technology see what makes sense. Out of all the people in the world, <laughs> that, that you don't, it's not worth trying to screw. It's a pizza delivery man. Doesn't <laughs> make Well, it's not worth trying to screw with it with, for Pizza Hut anyway, because their pizza kind of sucks. Well, that's true. Yeah. Kevin, have a good weekend, buddy. Uh, any chance against Syracuse? Oh, sure. Are you? Sure. I haven't seen Syracuse play yet, so I, so I can't say for sure. I know they gave Clemson a hard time, but I, you know, Clemson hasn't been as good the last couple of years as they were. So I would say, yeah, a chance. I I don't know what to expect. Uh, quick comment: Is the has the uh, the the portals and the ease of transferring? I won't say made the teams worse, but taking a lot of the depth out of the top four teams. I think it has. It probably has, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think it is. Maybe there's a chance for it. SP Futures again up t- down 21. NASDAQ Futures 111. Big Movers Amazon down 14.30. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-349. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore.
Lord Monk Bank Station Jacks. Half time out. We had burn on the board. SP Futures down 20. NASDAQ Futures down 103. I'm reading here that uh, the Twitter deal, Jack, everybody knows him as Jack, Jack Dorsey's payout. Mm. Um, if, if anybody ever gets their checks for this stuff, $978 million for Jack Dorsey. Wow. $39 million for Pereg Agrawal. And $100 million for little known uh, investor Carl Denninger. <laughs> Carl, you buying tonight or what? If I come down for a beer? Well, you know, it'd be nice. I think I have a better chance of uh, hitting the Powerball, though, than seeing that check. Uh, did, did he pay everybody yesterday? You know, I, I think, well, I don't know if the wires actually hit people's accounts yesterday, but they, uh, they probably will today. So the stock's not going to trade today, or is it going to? I don't know. You know, the, the, it was locked up. Um, but my understanding, I mean, I, I don't know why it would continue to stay locked up today. The deal's closed. But, I mean, there won't be any stack back. Everybody's going to get the check, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you're, you know, whatever you held. The, the thing that's, that I think is so interesting, though, about this, I mean, well, obviously, you know, the stock is delisted, right? I mean, it's, it's done. It's a private firm now. Um, <laughs> but it, if, if you think about it, what's what's going on here is is not what's been claimed all right so Musk comes out with this statement basically says i didn't buy the thing to make money i i bought this thing because i need to save democracy i mean it's the, the gist of his argument yep that's that's absolute nonsense the man is a toxic narcissist and, and, and I say this having dealt with a lot of them throughout my professional and personal lives. Um, and and he, he has a God complex. And he's like an awful lot of other people. There's there's some people that I uh, used to work for uh, when when I was a wage slave that had that sort of thing. Uh, you know, it's, sometimes your boss is that way and you, you just got to deal with it. You figure out how to work with it and that's how it is. Frequently, there's a number of those people that are on the board of directors, and they're you know they're the ones running the show, so to speak. Uh, it's one of the reasons you would want to have that kind of a position, and so it's you know it's it's kind of like people say, well, you know, why does you know where, where's the priest buggering little boys thing come from? And and the answer is he has access there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So you know, it, flies don't attract crap. Crap attracts flies. All right. Uh, I mean, it's just the way it works. And the idea that this that he doesn't have some other motivation here, that people actually believe that, I, I, I'm blown away by this. I, I truly am. I mean, I, I just stand in awe of the people who actually believe this nonsense. Well, Carl, what, what, for a long time, wasn't he, wasn't he trying to talk people into, into remaining, uh, what do they call them, uh, I won't say minority shareholders, but there's there's always when somebody takes over a place, you know, if if, if Carl's uh, ABC Corp took over Honeywell tomorrow and paid you know whatever eight hundred dollars for the shares, somebody somewhere you can't you can't end up getting every single share. Somebody's got some in their bank or in a in a in a lockbox. They don't even know they have it. There's always a little spot in every balance sheet for uh, what, what's what's the term? It's a uh, Something shareholders, a minority shareholders, or whatever people that 
that don't exactly go with the deal. And it's usually, you know, maybe 1%, half a percent. Wasn't he lobbying for a while because he couldn't come up with the money for people to actually stay shareholders, and he wanted like 40%, 50% of the people to to stay shareholders? And But now, now he stopped all that, right? He's going to pay everybody? Isn't that the deal? Well, he's got to pay everybody. Yeah, he's got to pay everybody. I mean, if he delists it and takes it out, it's it's not really a choice. I mean, well, it's, it's, right. you know, if you think of it, you think about how this uh, this works in the real world. You know, I, I ran a privately held company. Okay, but it was a C corp, so we had you know we we had stock just like everybody else. The only difference is it wasn't publicly listed. I I could not go into a bar or, or well come to you for that matter and say you know sell this you know sell this stuff off to you know Joe Schlub. Right. Right. I mean, there's there's there are legal requirements that you have to meet in order to be able to hold stock in that kind of a company because there's the disclosure rules that apply to public firms don't exist. By the way, they're getting less in, and in less. That world. They're getting less and less. There's a lot of... Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's... But the thing is, is I mean, I, I could not go out there and publicly solicit people. No, no, right? yeah, that, no. That, that was wildly illegal for me to do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's the truth. Although... And, and so, you know, I mean, that's... And, and every now and then I'd have somebody ask, you know, well, can I... And, and I'm like, look, you know, it's a, there's... Can I? Could I go through that kind of a process? You know, qualify. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and there were a couple of minority shareholders uh, in my firm, and, and they were qualified investors. And and uh, you know, and they got the when when the company was sold, they got paid, and they they actually, you know, the thing about that is is that, uh, and I wrote an article on this, which bears on the the energy situation that we have going on right now. Um, and I just uh, I just got validated on something that I said quite some time ago, and uh, I'm not happy that I'm right again. Uh, but but and you're not going to be happy, and neither is anybody else. The way this is going to play out. And that was when I went to sell the firm. I uh, decided that uh, you know it was time, and I, I had personal reasons for wanting to do that. Besides being what was going on in the tech industry, uh, I was presented three choices. One was to accelerate the growth of the firm, take on a lot of leverage, attempt to take the company public. Uh, that was the kind of thing that you know. If you if you succeed, you end up with uh, you know with three digit millions. Uh, you might get a billion. Even back those days, that was a possibility. Uh, the more likely outcome was it would be you know tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, the second possibility was to sell it to somebody who was willing to buy it at a negotiated price, um, and and do that you know, but not make material changes in the in the leverage and operating. At the time, because you can't. I mean, if you once you start marketing things, you, you you make material changes during that period of time. You're asking for big trouble, and, and I mean, the least of the problem is your deal blows up. <laughs> okay. Right, right. <laughs> um, and and the third possibility, and the one that's important in the context of energy today, is run it into the ground, make no investments of any kind, extract as much as you can and run it with the intent of deliberate failure down the road. Now, you don't know exactly when the failure is going to come, but basically you are using the, the built-up uh, intangible base of value in the company as a piggy bank, and, and you take it all out. Now, if I had done number three, the minority shareholders would have gotten probably very close to zero. We got nothing. And they would have because they would have sued your ass. Well, they would have sued me, but they probably would have lost. Right. Okay. I mean, that's the reality in a privately held company. That's a risk you take. Is that management will at some point choose to do this, 
And, and there isn't a lot you can do about it as a minority shareholder. I mean, that's, that's one, of, one of the reasons that I can't go out and solicit Joe on the street to be a shareholder is that that possibility always is there. And, yeah, you can sue, but you're probably going to lose. You have to expect if you do that that everybody else is going to sue. Uh, but but you're prob- they're probably not going to win. Uh, and everyone's going to spend money on lawyers, and the lawyers will make money, and everybody else is going to get nothing. Uh, but that's the reality of it. And the reason it's important to point this out is that we just had Granholm get told by a number of oil executives that all of these refineries that have been taken down for maintenance and that were that were shut down or curtailed in output during the COVID pandemic because of all the lockdowns and, and of course, you know, there was demand destruction that came out of that. Zero of them will be restarted. None. According to who? According to the oil executives, and and this is the and here's why, and they and they were very clear as to the reason. The government, and not just here in the United States, has publicly stated that their business will be destroyed. And and in fact, the EU yesterday came out and said, "You will not be able to sell a petrol-powered car as of 2030." I'll bet that changes. 2035, actually, isn't it? Wasn't it? Well, you know what? It doesn't matter whether it changes. Chief, the problem is this. In the United States, now, you know, the rest of the world's a different story because they have different government systems, right? In the United States, if you make an investment in this kind of property, plant, and equipment, PPE, it's going to take you years to make that investment. It's going oh, yeah. to cost billions of dollars. But the payback period is measured in decades. And you're going to put the capital in, and then it's going to take 10, 20 years for the shareholders to get anything out of that. Well, that's just the way it works. Well, plus you build a refinery, they, that's how long it runs for. The, okay? We have laws yeah. that you and I talk about that nobody else knows about that prevent, or supposed to prevent, seven, how many How many big oil companies there? Let's at least be, what, the ugly seven or the seven sisters, or hell they were. Uh, right. Say, say there's five left or four. There's laws that say you can't go sit at Augusta National or someplace and say we're each not going to start up a refinery. That, that, right. that, but I think what's happened is because the government's got up their, everybody's ass on this stuff, I think that that conversation now actually can take place without anybody having a problem with it. And they're going to say because of the, the government attitude, uh, we should probably act this way be, uh, as a response. Or they all have the same sort of lobbyist that, that talks to each of them and gives the message back to each of them without them actually meeting over a drink, you know, where somebody could take a picture. There, there's some way that this, consu- this, this communication is taking place and say, oh, by the way, we really like the fact that uh, our Bob versus a pump anywhere used to be 80 or 90 cents, and now it's two bucks. This is this is pretty sweet. <laughs> I mean, the the idea that we're, if we have four or less refineries, guess what? We're all making money on all the rest. That 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 becomes OPEC, uh, OPEC. You know, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, Chief, you're right. But here's but here's the problem with this with with the premise. Okay, you're arguing that that it, that there's you know there's a collusive element to this. I I my argument is not that there may be a collusive argument. My argument is, as a CEO, for me to take any other position, given what's going on right now, 
And and given the fact that in two years in the United States, no matter what some political party tells me, no matter let's say the Republicans, you know, we we come around to the election, the Republicans take both House and the Senate, and they say no more of this nonsense, and they you know and and they act to block whatever the Democrats had put in place that was you know was leading this. And, and maybe they start proposing taking carb out back behind the woodshed and putting as many bullets in their head as they need to until it goes away. Fine. In two years, that all goes. That can all change again. There's no way to prevent that because there is no constitutional way to bind a future Congress. It can't be done. No, I, I'm and with so, you. As a result, you now have this this craziness with teenagers running around screaming about how the planet is going to die unless we unless we get rid of all fossil fuels which is which is nonsense it's carbon okay unless we stop using carbon as an energy as an energy storage and fuel source the reality of the situation is this planet has 8 billion humans on it because we use carbon and if we stop doing it half of them are going to die well, that's true Right, and and this is and the, but the thing is, if you're a business operator, if you're a CEO, and somebody tells you your business is going to be destroyed, I mean, part of part of what was going on when I when I was running MCS, part of the reason I decided to sell the firm and get out of the you know get out of that line of work, is that there were enough anti-competitive things going on in the transport business that I smelled the cable monopoly problem coming. The the alternatives to get around it, which at the time were DSL, were primarily DSL based. Every single one of those firms was financially unsustainable and was going to go bankrupt. And I told these people this to their face when they came in and tried to get me to partner with them. I said, "You guys have a business model that cannot work. The only reason you're in business today is because Wall Street is funding your pipe dreams. That will eventually end because sooner or later someone has to make money." When they go into business, <laughs> you are never going to reach that day. You can't reach that day with this business model. It's impossible. It's fiscally impossible. And for that reason, when you blow up, if this is how I get service delivered to the customer, I blow up with you. And there's a, and if I don't have another way to do it, I'm dead. So the the problem that I saw was that, the, that I couldn't do anything about the rights of way into people's homes and businesses. I couldn't gain access to those, and I couldn't build out into those whether I wanted to or not. Didn't make any difference. Didn't matter how much money I had. Unless I turned around and bought Cox Cable or something like that, I, I had no way to do this. And I, I didn't have the money to buy Cox Cable. So this was not, this was, you know, and, and if I did, I'd be the one guy who succeeded everybody else failed, right? So I knew that day was coming. The people who, in that business, who survived this, had enough penetration in other areas, doing web design and, and that sort of thing. My skill set wasn't focused there. My skill set was on the technical side of actually delivering the bit. Well, the uh, I don't know how you take turn the bus around in terms of, uh, well, let's put it this way, economically, our, and our people are, are, not, are not that stupid. Well, maybe some of them are. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the, the the best way. I mean, in our system, the way you apportion uh, things or, or change behavior is through price. Right. And so, uh, if the, the 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 problem is, is that we 
if 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 the world turns to a certain point where it's 50 years from now and I'm long gone, and uh, it turns out that we have batteries the size of you know a cigarette package, and and we have uh, nothing but but great great way we got uh, hydrogen fusion, we got all this great stuff going on, and nobody ever has to start their their suburban again. Uh, would that be an okay world? A lot of something out of Star Trek? Yeah, it would be fine. But the and one of the ways to get there is if gasoline somehow became ten bucks a gallon, people would be dying to to pay it way through the nose for an electric pickup truck, even though it was a bad idea. Mm. Even though we have no idea what we're going to do with the batteries when they're done, we have we have no idea about any of this stuff. Mm. But we're 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 we don't know where we're going, but we're we're well on our way, and we've got you know some some eighteen year old. Every time somebody starts a car, it's like not wearing a mask during COVID, and people have nothing better to do than tell other people what to do now, it doesn't appear. I mean, it, we, we've entered this kind of odd world, and I'm with you. I, but it just so happens that the, the government, <clears throat> uh, one of the things they want, they don't ever want to see 250 gas anymore, much as Joe Biden says he does. Uh, if, the people who want us out of this gasoline world, they don't ever want to see 250 gas anymore. Okay, but that that also fits very well. If you're an oil company, we'll say we'll help you out. We'll just charge six. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, well, that works. That works up to a point. The yeah. problem is, is that if if the government says the the price of the product in seven years will be zero because there won't be any, and we're going to force that to happen, then uh, boy, that's a whole different game now, isn't it? Right? I mean, so then what, what do you do? You do exactly what, what option three was that was presented to me, which is you run the company to ruin. You make all the money on $10 a gallon gas until it's zero because there isn't any more gas. But you and, and I know. And that's the only logical decision for them to make. But you and I know if they try and do this by 2030, which isn't that far away, <clears throat> if they try and do that, they're going to fall flat on their ass and this country is going to look like crap. Well, this country is going to look like crap, and unfortunately, they do mean it. They are trying it. Europe, as I said, the entire European Union just just came out and said there will be no gas-powered cars that are legal to sell in seven years. I thought it was 35, but you're probably right on the No, no, that's for trucks. All right. Oh, no, they're extending it to to other vehicles in 35, but but they're 100% zero carbon emission vehicles by 2030 for personal transportation. Um, you think they're going to get away with that next election? No. No, I well, I don't know if they'll get away with it in the next election, but if you but if you're a if you're an energy company and you sell carbon-based fuels, you you've just been told you're out of business for 7 years. Why 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 I don't understand why anybody would do something like that. I just uh, you know what? These people these people are literally insane, chief. Every single human innovation that, that we have, that our entire standard of living, you look around you, that the microphone that you're talking into right now couldn't be made without carbon fuels. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I would, uh, as you know, me being the railroad dude, I would love the idea if we electrified certain areas of the country where we had massive ability to have sun and wind powered stuff. I mean, the idea Gee, how do you how are you going to build the transformers? What do you mean? Well, in order to electrify the rails, you'd have to have the copper 
for the for the wire, right, that yeah. runs across the top for the catenary to you know pick it up and use it. Because you can't do ground based like you do with a subway because there's too right. many critters and things that'll that will end up bridging it. Hmm. So it has to be overhead. All right. Um, in order to feed that thing, you need to have transformers. What do you, do, do, do transformers require a, a silicated iron for their core. Hmm. How, do, how do you make the silicated iron? Well, I, mean, I, I never thought... You have to dig, you have to, and by the way, and the copper. You have to dig both of those out of the ground. I get and it. then you have to forge them. Well, guess what? Guess what all of that runs on? Okay. I mean, I... I didn't say it was perfect. Hmm. Well, uh, well, how about it can't happen? Well, what I'm, what I'm saying is, I think in, in, in the sh- Chicago area, the commuter rail should be electrifi- electrified. Hmm. Like you well, I, but you know what? That's that's that again. Go just just go try right now. Just just go do a little survey. Look around. Try to figure out what the what the lead times are on transformers right now today. Basic, this is basic electrical infrastructure equipment. Okay, they're, not, they're, they're nowhere near. They're nowhere near the lead times of putting a board together and actually getting the thing approved. <laughs> approved to get. Well, I understand that. Oh well, actually, I don't know that that's necessarily true anymore. I I saw the other day. I saw a quote that said that you know these are the kinds of things that you could normally order and you know and in six months you'd have them right. I have heard I've heard that in some cases lead times on these things are now measured to three to four years. Well, I could, well, we yeah we can. I would think that we could. Well, I, when I, I the reason why I say this because I, I did kind of a dumb thing. I, well, I don't know it was a dumb thing. It was interesting. I bought a pickup truck down in Tucson. And I drove it home. I wanted to, never drove for that part of the country before. So my parents died, and I figured, okay, we're cleaning out the house. I'll have to get a pickup truck. And I'm driving right. I'm driving along. Uh, well, I forty, which used to be sixty six, right. And off to the left, as you'll see in any major highway, there's always a railroad that was there first. And right. there's, a, there's a Santa Fe puffing along. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm driving a pickup truck. To say that there was relentless sun and relentless wind, Carl, is an understatement. I'm going, if ever there's a place for, for this, this 400 miles between Santa Fe and Atchison, Topeka, or whatever, that we should have electric locomotives, I mean, what what are we doing? If there's a spot to put it, here would be the spot. You know, well, except the de- except the density still doesn't work, Chief. That's the, that's the whole problem. Is that, and yeah. not only that, but in order for you to build this, for you to make the solar panels and to make the windmills, you have to have carbon fuels. Oh, I get it. Oh, I get it. I never all said right. it was perfect. The, I'm the, just the saying the problem with shutting all of this down, with saying this is all going to go away is that all the things that you think you're going to replace them with don't happen. What, what my, my point is, Kyle, is that if we take a 50-year, and, and we're somewhere down the road on this, if we take a 50-year a gradualist approach and say, okay, for everybody to have a couple of solar panels on their roof in, in Scottsdale is probably not a bad idea. Uh, you know, Chicago, I don't know. But, but I'm saying... Oh, no, actually, it's a ter- it, 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 you really want to know the truth. It's a terrible idea. In Scottsdale? It's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea because in order to make the solar panels, you, you have to dig up crazy amounts of earth in order to get the rare earth doping materials, and you have to process them. And, and it is extraordinarily environmentally destructive to do that, far more so than just burning natural gas and making the electricity. And then secondly, those panels are not recyclable. And okay. they run out of... They, you, put in the, you put in the capacity for them to make power when you build them, in 15 or 20 years from now, they're no longer useful, and they are not 
recyclable. Hmm. Well, I, I read this thing real quick, and then we're going to go to break, but uh, somebody wrote, and, they, and of course they haven't done it since, but the uh, the Sears Tower, and you know, it's it's done with, it's like how many different buildings essentially yoked together, right, of different yeah. sizes. Right. And uh, they were saying that when they put those things up, <clears throat> they're single-pane glass, and uh, and how if you redid all the windows, which would cost more than the place cost to build in the first if you read all the windows, and every one where there's, you know, one of the buildings goes up and it stops at like the 40th floor, and the other one stops at the 60th, those are actually pretty big roofs. And if you right. put, <clears throat> if you put, uh, not the windmills like the Dutch windmill, the ones that look like a globe, and they spin, mm-hmm. that if you put like 10 of those things, oh, yeah. on every one of those levels, because of the winds at that high up usually, between the, the windows and those things, you could like, you could cut the energy use... The amount I, I, you know, I forget, Carl. You probably know better than me. But instead of building like that, especially on a, on a cold day when the, you know with the single pane windows, use as much power as like like a, a thousand houses or some mm. some incredible. Oh amount. yeah, well, it's, with single pane windows, it's a, yeah. I mean, a, a good lord. And and the thing is, of course, we are obsessed. Even even double pane, highly insulated glass. You want to you want to talk about problems from the standpoint of of where the energy goes. Fenestration windows are terrible compared to just about everything else. Why don't we focus? Simple question: We got to break it, boy. Why don't we focus a little bit on improving the efficiency of the bazillion houses we have in this country? We can save way more there than we ever can screw around with cars. Mm. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> part of it is because with many older older buildings, the only way to actually do that. And have it act, and have it mean something. I mean, the cheap and easy is put more insulation in the attic. Yeah. Okay. That's that's easy. You you, you can go down to Home Depot or Lowe's and rent one of their blow-in machines and have somebody stuff it. You've got the hose up in the attic, and in a couple of hours, you could you can put as much you know insulation in the attic as you want to put in there. That's easy. The hard part is that behind the walls, most of your your older construction is two by four. Yeah. And in order to actually do anything, you'd have to tear the walls out and put a second layer in there. So, so you're basically going to two by six structurally in terms of what you actually get. Mm. Uh, and and that's really the only way to do it because the, the, there's already insulation in the wall. Now, maybe, there really maybe. places where there's none, yeah. they're crazy. All right. But but either way, the only way to get access to do that is to is literally to tear out all the walls that face. But the if we went. If you look at Sears Tower as an example, this project that I read about, I was fascinated because you know I love this stuff. And uh, I'm sitting there going, God, if we did that building by building in the space of a decade, just think of how much we could save in downtown Chicago, for God's mm. sake. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it, it, and the other thing is that the, the, the design of those buildings where the structural steel is essentially a heat conductor from the outside of the building oh, to yeah. the inside because, you know, that's that's how they're built. Uh, that's that's hideously inefficient as well. Mm. SP Futures only down 7 now. NASDAQ Futures down 65. We're trying to come back. we got Apple up 70 cents. The whole world is going to collapse if that thing was down last night. But one point, Amazon was down 25. Now they're only down 15. I guess that's good. Uh, be right back. Stocks and Jacks.
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with their choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. So sorry to interrupt. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back, stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Howe. Matt Byrne on the board. SP futures down nine. We made it back almost unchanged, and we just dropped nine points. Crazy. Uh, Nasdaq futures down 63 again. Amazon's down 15 bucks now, 13.6 percent. They were down 20 percent last night, but they've come back. Apple, which everybody thought if Apple clunked, the whole world was going to fall into a rat hole, uh, is down only is up actually 60 cents. So we we're saved that uh, fiasco at least last night. So we've got the Dow futures down six. We've got uh, over in Europe, the DAX down 62.5 percent. FTSE down 31.5 percent. Kekron actually scratching up a little bit, two points, but let's call that flat. Or in Asia, this is uh, big news here actually in the Hang Seng. Nikkei down 240.9%, Shanghai down 66, 2.2%. Hang Seng uh, down 564, 
new lows since 2009 2009 it's a long time ago uh, and we were in a recession it was right after 2008 that we were in a horrible position mm. these guys are back there that's crazy we'll, we'll talk to Carl about that in a second uh, yesterday is a way of review Dow was up 194 as Caterpillar McDonald's were successful at raising prices and they were way up they took the Dow with them S&P futures or S&P's yesterday were down 23 NASDAQ was down 178 before even the Amazon stuff hit uh, bonds up seven basis points, back over four, <clears throat> 4.01. The Bund up 13 basis points, 2.12. Japan unchanged at 0.25. Oil down a buck 13, 87.95. Brent down 92 cents, 96.04. Natural gas down 13 cents. What I was talking about with Carl, our Bob, is down two cents to 2.98. And still in Chicago, gas is, you know, 560 or something. It's unbelievable. Uh, gold uh, going south here, down 16 bucks, 16.49. Silver down 33 cents, 1916. Copper down 8 cents, 343. We've got Bitcoin down 460, pushing towards 20,000 at 20,183, but still above it. Uh, and we have the U.S. dollar. It's kind of quiet this morning. You got the euro down, well, it's under a buck now again, 0.9948, but just a little bit. The pound's 1.15, it was 1.17 yesterday morning, so it's down a little bit as well, but not crazy. It's the reason why uh, dollars, that means the dollar is up, that's why gold is down. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 737 on Friday, October 28th, 2022. Traffic in Chicago, slight slowdown on the Dan Ryan. Exit ramp 53B going east to the Stevenson, partially blocked for repairs. Repairs were needed for the fire damage that occurred just last week. Other than that, traffic in and around the city looking all right this morning. A little cloudy in Chicago this morning, currently at 43 degrees downtown. Today, expect a high of 62 and a low of 43. In Phoenix, clear skies throughout the day, high of 82 and a low of 55. Currently, temperatures at 55 degrees. Last night, the Blackhawks played and lost to Edmonton Oilers. Hawks stand at four wins to three losses this 2022 season. Game one in the MLB World Series tonight, Phillies at Astros in Houston. Phillies stand at a win-loss of 87 to 75. Astros at 106 to 56. Game starts at 7:03 p.m. That's all for now, Chief. Back to you. Um. Is this guy, is this guy a uh, relative of yours, Carl? Mattress Mac? <laughs> what? Oh, Mattress Mac. <laughs> well, I don't know. Mattress Mac has, has bet a total of $10 million on the Houston Astros to win the World Series. Now he's hedging, wow. He's hedging his bet with a promotion at his furniture store in Houston. So get a load of this. The guy put down um, $10 million on his beloved Houston Astros. Uh, he put it on in... Uh, must be in May or something, and he got what seven and a half to one or something. He, if he if he wins, he's going to make seventy five million bucks. Wow! So if he does, he's going to give everybody who buys a mattress for three thousand bucks the three thousand dollars back if the if the Astros win. Wow! He's the owner of Gallery Furniture in Houston. As part of a marketing campaign, he routinely offers his customers a special promotion around key sporting events. This time, if you spend three grand or more on a mattress, your purchase of free is free if the Astros win. So does that mean well, we should run down there and uh, buy a mattress, strap it to the top like all the <laughs> some people do, drive it from Houston back to Chicago? Hopefully, it doesn't land on the side of the road. And if the Astros win, I get my check, my money back. Sounds like a safe bet. Well, if you, if you really believe, if you believe the Astros are going to win, that's a good way to get a free bed, right? Yeah. He goes. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I. <laughs> Wow, I, you know that's 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 a heck of a wager. I mean, but that's a way to democratize it and you know put it in the hands of. I mean, if you needed to bet anyway, 
Um, well then, uh, boy, I'd, uh, that'd be awfully tempting if I was reasonably close to there. Well, plus the Astros are the better team, so they mm. probably will win. Well, they they might they might win, but I mean it's uh, you know it's still I mean it, that's what uh, if I needed you know like I said if I needed a mattress like you know now. <laughs> yeah, I mean a a uh, you know the weird part is my is you know once in a while I go off on a on a tangent and say I'm tired of being the trickler. Or trickle I'd want to be the trickler. Right. Now, I would rather give government money to this guy. He knows how to trickle down. I don't think that the schmoes yeah. we normally give it to, the guys with all the dough in Washington, I don't think they trickle down for crap, to be honest with you. Right. Well, yeah, I think you're probably right about that. This guy is a good trickler. i got to believe if you and I, if all of a sudden we were the government largesse, we got $100 million bucks. The first thing we do is run out to Bass Pro Shop and say Bass Boats Around or something. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good, you know. I mean, if you think about it, yeah. I, tr- I trickle with the best of them. <laughs> I guarantee right. you that I'd, I'd work it down. That's it's certainly interesting. That's for sure, right? Did you ever read the uh, Mike Royko column about the lottery? Um, probably. He was, but it's. Well, the lottery first started, and, and, and somebody, Matt, somebody'd win the lottery, and they'd go up, and it'd be like, uh, it'll be like your grandfather or somebody. <laughs> and the guy goes, "Well, you know, my wife and I just won like two million bucks." Of course, the guy's got the you know '58 Chevy, and he works as a welder somewhere, and, which which isn't bad. I mean, he goes, "You know, if uh, the wife and I will pay off the Chevy, we might take like a two-day vacation to like Stony Island or Blue Island, and." If I got any money left, you know, maybe I'll give the kids that kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. So right. Ryko goes, I'm so tired of hearing that. I, I know what would happen if my buddy Phil T. Slob won the, won the lottery. <laughs> First thing you do is go home <clears throat> and tell the wife, pack the bags, I'm going around the world. No, you're not going with. <laughs> right. <laughs> then he'd walk into his, his local saloon and he'd say, Drinks around, and then he'd say, "It's the last time I ever have a, a drink in a dump like this." Yeah. He goes, "That, that would uh, be, that would be a real." Interesting, eh? He goes, "That would be a real guy." None of this stuff about. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna buy the local round of drink, and I'll pay off my 40 year old card. But let's get real. <laughs> he, the guy knew human personality. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, what uh, I I uh, I was. Our buddy Carl, not Carl, your Carl, Russell came in yesterday in the office. I'd love to see him. I haven't seen him in a while. And he said in his in his school district now, we're actually Pfizer's cutting a deal with all these school districts that uh, you can't go to school unless you have a COVID vaccine, even if you're in first grade, and it's going to be $130 a shot. Well, that doesn't surprise me, even a little, okay, that Pfizer would do that. Um, and and this is you know what I when I said when this whole thing when this whole rollout started is that the entire point of trying of, of doing this with kids the entire purpose of it was to get it into the childhood schedule because if you can't do that then when the EUA is lifted which ultimately, you know, that's tied to the entire COVID emergency. At the, at the point that Biden allows that to expire, all these EUA things go away because that's the way the law works. So if you can't get it into there, then Pfizer is civilly liable for every injury this thing causes. 
if they get it into the into the childhood schedule, then it's covered under the NCJIA, which is the post uh, DPT law that that Congress put in. Uh, which, by the way, was was pharmaceutical business doing a crappy job of quality control. You could argue that it was grossly negligent. It injured a ton of kids and killed a few of them. Uh, and and the insurance industry pulled threatened to pull all coverage from vaccine manufacturing as a result. That's what led to Congress doing this. But rather than Congress telling the pharmaceutical business clean up your your act, make make safe products. Do whatever quality control you have to. No, 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 no. Instead, they turned around and they and they, they took the liability away from them, gave them a waiver. So the entire point of doing this, I mean, there's there's absolutely no no benefit whatsoever from the standpoint of a child taking this thing. There's there's just I mean the odds of a kid getting seriously hurt by this virus to begin with is, is effectively zero. So yeah, okay. There's you know there's been I think since this whole thing started, there's been something like 1,200 children under the age of 18 that have died with this. Essentially, all of them were severely immunocompromised or had other really bad things going on, and you know from a health perspective, and uh, you know essentially you could blow them over with a feather, and, and that's what happened. Um, the problem is is that we now know that and, and there are more and more studies coming out of this all the time that essentially every single person that that took this thing has some clinical some level detectable level of cardiac damage essentially everyone yeah i think so, I, I mean i've been reading that too i've been every time i read well, it, I mean, I how, bad, how bad is an open question still right i mean we don't yeah. know but i i have a friend of mine whose wife is an er charge she's she's a head of a of a nursing department in a fairly significant hospital. I won't know, I won't name where or who it is. They have now they are now seeing they used to get you know, people have heart attacks and strokes all the time, right? So they'd get a heart attack or a stroke on a given shift. A couple of nights ago they had six strokes. Wow. Okay, I mean that is that is off the rack. That kind of thing just never happens. They had they had seven heart attacks across two days about a week ago across two night shifts that again never happens you get one here and there you know there's if there's one this shift that's really terrible but you know but it happens but these are these are people have them all the time but these are and, and these are the other all... thing is these people that are coming in with these they're not geriatric patients normally you know heart attacks start happening in people when they're in their 50s and 60s and you know and it goes up to the same thing with strokes no no these are these are people in their 30s 20s and 30s well, when, now when you say when you say heart attacks i mean i thank god i haven't had one uh, but it's we're not talking about plaque plaque movement. I mean, in other words, if it if it's that kind of heart attack, like the widow maker or a big hunk of plaque moves and blocks something, um, you sh- do they are they de- they detecting? Is it I guess is it is that the kind of heart attack? And are they detecting? Wow, this guy's thirty five years old. He's in pretty good shape. He has all this plaque in here. I mean, is that, is that what they're finding? That it's a it's a plaque buildup, or do they have any idea what's causing it? Well, he's uh, you know. Th- Again, where I'm getting these reports is from the ER. Okay, okay. so I mean, the follow-up, assuming the guy lives, um, you know, she doesn't have. Okay, right. I mean, I mean, this is this is you know, the dude comes in and 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 he's having an acute heart attack. Okay, what do you know? What do we do right now? Because that's oh, that's I get her it. Job. I get what I'm what I'm saying is there's I'm no doctor, but there's a 
there's a few causes of heart attacks and one or two main right, causes. Well, it's, it's clotting that breaks off. And yeah. that's, I mean, it's typically, you know, what happens is that you, you know, you get an interruption, interruption in blood flow that gets into the, you know, in the cardiac system. But, you, but if, if this is what um, is, is causing it, if somebody wanted to, again, or what is a statement, if somebody wanted to, you should be able to take, find 100 in a random way, you should be able to find 135 year olds randomly that have had no shots, 100 that had just the first two, and 100 that have had all four, and, and chest them when they're 35 years old, you, sh- you should be starting to see changes before the heart attack, is, is my point. Um, yeah, theoretically, I mean, if you, if you go looking, but the, you know, the thing that's, that has come out is that they've, they're now, of, uh, some of this stuff is now getting published, that, that uh, troponin levels with our indication of cardiac damage are showing our elevated troponin levels are showing up in essentially everybody that gets jabbed now that subsides after some period of time but if you have a heart attack your troponin level goes up and then after a while it goes back down but the damage still happened that's right okay, yeah. cardiac damage is permanent uh yeah except you have a Pretty high capacity in your heart. You could, you could. Well, be, you do, yeah. but 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 I mean, you know, but that reduction, whatever yeah. that damage is, for the most part, is permanent. Right. Well, so, I, I mean, you know, and the thing is, if you accelerate something that used to get people in their sixties, and now it's starting to nail people in their, you know, in their twenties and thirties, what is what is this going to look like in another ten years? Oh, uh, not good. Yeah, I mean, this is you know, people think this whole thing's over. Well, guess what? It's not over. And, and the reality of it is, is that, you know, this sort of a surge in these events, we didn't see this, you know, six, 12 months ago. Now it's coming. Uh, yeah. I, uh, hey, I want to shift gears on you a little bit, because Kevin, I don't know if you were listening, if you did it, it's unfair. <clears throat> Kevin failed miserably on me asking him, uh, this year, what's the market cap of the FANG stocks down? What would you say that number is? Boy, I, whew. It would take me a, a little bit of research to look at that, but I'd, a lot. Well, I've got a number for Fang. Actually, i got a number Fang before Amazon fiasco last night. And I have a, before and after, and I have a, a number for Fang Plus, meaning Microsoft. Okay. Uh, Fang before the fiasco last night. Two point one six trillion. Now Amazon's down another one hundred and fifty billion, so make that two point three one trillion. If you add Microsoft into there, you're you're three point two trillion dollars down in yeah. In I think, well, that's that's entirely believable. And you know, one of the things that I think is so interesting about this is that everyone seemed to sing the song that Zuckerberg had the answer to the future, that there was going to be this, this metaverse thing. I didn't even change the name of the company for crying out loud in the stock symbol. Um, how's that working out? I think it's been coming down. It, was, it started coming down even before he said that, but it's really accelerated. Well, it did, but you know what? The, 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 uh, the obvious question that has to be asked when you see something, when you see this kind of a pattern, is did he know that the the advertising trends and the the hive mind nonsense within social media would eventually reach a tipping point where people say f that i'm not doing it and i'm not spending the money 
the advertisers would see the, the fact that they're spending the money, but they're not getting anything for what they're spending. And this was always the argument that I had, is that the real problem with, with the, the automation and the bots and all this stuff is, is not so much on the, on the daily active user number. It's that those people don't buy anything. Well, I, okay. I would <laughs> say, Carl, I'm the so, worst, uh, the absolute worst. Well, having said that, I'm going to give an opinion anyway. That's me. Having, uh, I'm like the worst person with Facebook is, A, I can't be on it because I'm a registered guy, right? So I, I'm not on it. Well, Stocks and Jocks is on it. We got 3,000 friends or something. We use Twitter to talk to people, <clears throat> not Facebook. But I used to stop for, you know, an adult beverage with a group, and somebody would always be checking something on Facebook or doing something. I haven't seen anybody do that in, in months, years. But it, it, it seems to me to be... Now, I know when I, when Jessica was at DePaul, like all their communications for like the business meeting and whatever society she was in, all that crap came through Facebook. Now, I don't know if it still is anymore, but they were able to get footholds into a lot of these universities. And I mean, your, your, your professor... You know, would send out your your test scores on Facebook for God's sake. Right. You know, I don't know if that's still there, but around the rest of society, you don't see people checking what they're having for dinner because the wife had posted it on there, like you did two years ago or five years ago. I mean, I, to to me that when you see young kids go, I haven't used Facebook in ages. We got something new. I mean, so I'm going to say that from my little bit, my scratch the surface observation, some of it's been lost, and whether it's been picked up in other areas, I don't even know about. Is you know, I don't know, but. It seems like that that the, that the gleam is off the rose a little bit, or was for for has been for a while. Well, I think it's uh, you know I, I think the entire premise behind this was was to some extent wishful thinking, and to some extent was active fraud, and and nobody's going to go to jail for it. A lot of people should, but nobody's going to because that's just not you know we, we don't jail people for that kind of thing in this country. We haven't done it in the last fifty years. Why would we start now? Uh, but the. The other thing that has driven this, as I've pointed out repeatedly, is that falling interest rate environments allow you to run this kind of a scam and get away with it for an extended period of time. And it, it works right up until that environment goes away. Well, it's gone away. Uh, and, it, you know, you saw the GDP report that came out yeah. yesterday. And essentially the entire reason that you, that you saw a positive number there was the dollar strength which chips the export-import balance. Well, you also saw a PCE deflator of 4.5% when the inflation rate's 9. Well, but see, the deflator, and, and this is where the distortion comes from, though. It comes from the currency moves, okay? That's a one-shot deal, and, and you know, I mean, unless the dollar continues to rip to the upside, which I don't think it's going to, I think it's, you know, that move's pretty much done. Um, but as we see this happen, those distortions come out. So, but but from a Federal Reserve point of view, they look at that GDP number in the deflator, and, and they say, well, we don't have any reason to stop raising rates. Well, I mean... The economy's fine. Right, for those people that... that uh, uh, well, the way the, the way the numbers work, you'll see the two numbers come across, not necessarily on the same page, but if you look, they're both there. You'll see the, the uh, growth of the 2.6 GDP at an annual rate. And they're going to say the deflator is 4.5. What that really means is your your growth in, in your gross growth in goods and services was 7.1, correct? And you subtract right. the 4.5 off it because that's inflation, and you're left with 2.6. But if you think the inflation is more than 7.1, 
you're back down below zero, right, Carl? That's that's right. And so the, the thing is, is that when you have a deflate, you know, we, we have these the CPI data says that that food at home is is plus eleven or something like that from the last read on an annualized, okay, on a month over month on an annualized basis. I don't know what these people are smoking. All right, I I can I can give you a dozen things that have doubled over right. the last twelve months. Right. Oh yeah, and and, and, and and by the way, nothing's gone down. No, but the little the little stuff that you don't notice. Uh, <clears throat> once in a while, I cook lunch in the office, and I buy these. You know, I I fix them up better. But there's these the little uh, little packets of uh, instant baked potatoes. Oh yeah, they're not horrible. They've they've been a buck for ten years. Now they're a buck and a quarter. Well, I mean, it doesn't really. I guess it doesn't matter to most people, except if you're buying ten of them because you have kids. But these things add up. But you know, if I throw two in there for the office, am I going to wail at the guy for fifty cents? No, but it did, but that's a twenty-five percent increase. But Carl, I got. Um, what do you what do you think as we go back to this this number in the stock market down? You know, you hear none of the talking heads talk about it or anything like that. What does three trillion dollars on five stocks out of people's accounts? Now, granted, it blew up during the COVID, so it ran up and now it's running back down. But you and I know. That going down, you lose more than you made on the way up. What is what is that going to mean to the economy going forward? How many margin loans are on this stuff? How many how many people are? Oh, that, oh that's a, chief. That's that's the problem. You know, it's, it, I've joked many times. It's only half a joke that, that you have a two hundred point five k now. Yeah. Right. And and and, and but I've also pointed out that the, the E, all right, on the S and P five hundred. Um, well, it wasn't that far ago in history that he was about hundred dollars. Yeah. What's what is a reasonable recessionary multiple on a hundred dollars? About nine, maybe. Yeah. Where's that put the S and P? Um, I, mean, I don't know where's it put the Nasdaq. I guess is more of a more of a question. Well, where, where's it put the Nasdaq? Oh boy. Yeah. You know, where's where's but where, I mean, you know, I I've said. That in my opinion, the S and P is going to trade fifteen seventy six again. That's I, sound I, I think that may be an optimistic projection. Uh, that would be ugly. Well, it, uh, but you know what? The, the entire run up over the last few years, the whole thing coming off off oh nine. Um, okay, you know the first the first. Uh, you know, up to the thousand, eleven hundred, somewhere in there. That that was that was the okay. The banks are not all going broke. You know, tomorrow, right? Right. But beyond that, what it all was was all the QE, all the cranking of the of the, you know real estate and the other and the other asset markets, and then into the into the COVID crazy stuff. The idea that you can have thirty year money for two percent—that's nuts. Well, the other side of the coin is well, there are a lot of people. I, I think my, my my views on the two thousand eight nine uh, mortgage fiasco is everybody you talk to, Carl. I can't win this argument anywhere. Everybody says the reason why that thing came flying down is because people got mortgages they weren't supposed to, which they, a lot of people did, and that and that uh, there was a lot of leverage in the system. Well, that's true, but I still would say that eighty percent of the people, the people you and I know, the people that Audrey sells houses to. Those people all put 15, 20% down, just like people always have. Or even if it was 10 or 12, it was not one or two. 
and uh, and and when those houses came down, they all got eviscerated, and everybody's convinced that what that didn't happen. The fact is, it did. Well, this time, the the thing has even been straighter with all these with the you know the what's the, the two cadres from uh, the Senate to put the banking bill together. The one guy, uh, guy from Massachusetts, not uh, what's his name, the tall guy and the short guy, Graham, not Graham. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Todd mm-hmm. Todd Frank. Well, that, that made it even harder yeah. and harder. So a real lot of people have put 20% down and are buying a house at median price of 407 that probably, if these rates keep doing what they're doing, is within somewhere in the next year or two is going to be three and a quarter. I'll be charitable. Okay, well, that's the entire amount of the down payment. That's their entire wealth. Right. But if you take the, the, the stock market fiasco here, and if that stuff starts to happen, I sure hope it doesn't, uh, we, we just took a huge chunk of people's equity. And what's 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 the national wealth have to have dropped twenty percent, thirty? Oh, it's it, 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 but see that that equity never really existed. This is this is the entire. I mean, you know, I'm still seeing. I, I haven't seen it break here yet to any material degree. I still have all these guys running around. And you look at the local real estate market here. You still have these people thinking that uh, you know fifteen hundred square foot. Single-family houses or four hundred thousand dollars. Well, because you know what, Chief, there is the number of people who can get hundred thousand dollars plus W two wage jobs around here. You can count them on your hands. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. Right. So, so the thing is, two of those you can't afford that house. No, but the, the rents are getting so high that it, it's almost you know, it's almost cheap. Well, I, 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 no, I get that, but yeah. but you know what, that breaks too because. What is what has what has Blackstone and all these other guys been doing? They've been running around buying up single family stuff and turning them into rentals. Right. right. And and why are they doing it? Because they they look at the cap rate and say, well, you know, this makes sense, especially when we get the money for free. This kind of distortion, though, is exactly what that kind of fiscal and, and, and monetary policy does. Well, let's let's tee this one up next week because I want to do. I've heard so many people talk about these people buying this stuff up now, Audrey and. Nancy have not seen any of it in their areas, but I'll talk to them about it on Monday, and maybe you and I can talk about it a little bit next Friday, if not sooner. Uh, take care. Yeah, it's obviously happening here. Okay, because I want to learn more about it because it's really not happening here. So let's let's tee that one up next week. But SP futures down 15, NASDAQ futures down 90. Back on Monday, stocks and jacks. Used to, but we have our ways. One trick is to tell them stories that don't go anywhere. Like the time I caught the ferry over to Shelbyville, I needed a new heel for my shoe. So I decided to go to Morganville, which is what they call Shelbyville in those days. So I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. Now, to take the ferry cost a nickel, and in those days, nickels had pictures of bumblebees on them. Give me five bees for a quarter, you'd say. Now, where were we? Oh, yeah. The important thing was that I had an onion on my belt, which was a style at the time. They didn't have white onions because of the war. The only thing you could get was those big yellow ones. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 708- 
349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. 